Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Would you open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 7? If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, and I hope you have something that you're going to look at. I know in our instantaneous, everything's available at the touch of a finger. Sometimes we don't look at stuff anymore, but it's good to see what we're looking at together and see it in your own Bible if you can. Let me ask you a question. I don't know how many of you guys watch the, the weather every night, or at least you watch it familiar enough, Glenn does, um, to make sure you have some idea as to what's it going to be like tomorrow, you know, what's coming in the coming days. And, you know, in some ways that, that prepares us for a change that may really have an impact on our lives, right? Sometimes there are things coming that are going to be significant. There's, there's, dangerous weather there. We live in a hurricane zone. So there's hurricanes that can come. Well, imagine years and years ago, I've always wondered this. If you lived in Southeast Louisiana, you didn't have, you know, Nash Roberts or somebody narrating the day that a hurricane was going to come. Here's when it's going to be here. Here's how intense it's going to be. Here's what it's going to be like. Imagine just, you were just a day like this. And then the next day it's a little windier, a little different. You had no idea what was coming. And then the day after that, rains came and severity came. The day after that, you were just overwhelmed with a storm. You had no idea was coming, right? That's the way people live their lives up until modern technology has informed us differently. So there are storms in the realities of our lives that show up that we may not have any warning, any awareness, but we are deeply impacted by them. Right? We lived through Katrina. We have that physical world dimension that we've experienced. But spiritually, if I were to ask you this morning, what's the weather like in your soul right now? What are you spiritually going through? Is it, is it partly cloudy? You know, It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. And that's true for, for many of us here. That, that's true. Or is there a violent storm going on in your soul right now? And that can come from a variety of reasons. And, and I just want to say, one of the reasons I'm preaching this message this morning is because we have a significant number of folks in our midst as a part of our church who are going through some violent storms right now. And when you interact with some folks in a violent storm, let me help us as a community a little bit. Um, there is something that we have learned in, in, in memorizing scripture and seeing Bible passages that mean something to us, that we have a tendency to take uh, passages and apply them to people who are in the sunshine of life in the same way that we apply them to people who are in the most violent storm they've ever experienced in their life. But for us, we're just busting out a Bible passage, right? You come up to me and, and a storm is ripping your world apart. And I just pull out the same Bible passage that I just shared with somebody who's at the beach. Life is at the beach right now. It's everything is going great. We're doing so well. Here's a Bible passage. Oh, your, your life is upside down. You're drowning. Here's a Bible passage. Um, if you're in a storm, life doesn't feel like it's making a great deal of sense. That's what storms do to us. And so... This is a, a little series that we're starting for the, in the summer, but, but Jesus started something at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Most famous sermon ever preached begins in Matthew chapter 5, runs all the way to Matthew chapter 7. 
And Jesus gets our attention at the end here by describing the storms of life, almost as though to say, hey, listen, don't fall asleep when the weather's nice because that weather can turn really, really bad. And whatever it is that you've built in that day, it's going to matter. Listen, when everything's cool and light breeze and lots of sunshine, whatever house you built, you're probably going to be okay. But that's not how life is going to stay. You are going to have these intense storms. And so it matters what you build your life on. And so this summer, we're actually going to spend time looking at a statement of faith, the Sovereign Grace newly given statement of faith. I think they've done an outstanding job because these are the things that we build our lives on. These are the rocks upon which we set our lives. But let's interact with Jesus given the Sermon on the Mount. John Stott, great theologian, pastor, described the Sermon on the Mount this way. He said, the Sermon on the Mount has a unique fascination. It seems to present the quintessence of the teaching of Jesus. It makes goodness attractive. It shames our shabby performance. It engenders dreams of a better world. I have found my mind wrestling with its problems and my heart set on fire by the nobility of its ideals. Right? If you're not calling to mind right now, what, what was the Sermon on the Mount? You know, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, if you will, almost in that proverbial style when you, when you read the Proverbs. It's Jesus wandering through the life and the countryside of life, and he's describing things. But he's doing it from his own untainted, unpolluted perfection as he looks out at life. He's not corrupted by this world. He doesn't see things that are bad and call them good, and good things, he doesn't call them bad. He sees accurately. Right? So he looks out at the world and he pronounces blessing. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Really? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the persecuted. Right? This is not the list that I would make. Right? I'm thinking, okay, these are the people who got jacked around, got a bad deal. Jesus says, no, no, no. If you see the working of God correctly, they are blessed. And then Jesus interacts with just the human existence, right? The, the settings of doing human life. This is, this is some of what you'd find if you go back and read Matthew 5 through 7. The human struggle with anger, Jesus speaks about. With lust, divorce, revenge, enemies, anxieties, personal motivations, the whys and the ambitions that are in the human heart. And there's a big section on prayer and the fact that the human soul needs to commune and relate to God. And then Jesus gets to this point here in Matthew 7, verse 24, where he brings this, this closing summary comment here. He's just described life in the Sermon on the Mount, the ethics of the kingdom, if you will. And then he concludes here, and he says this, Matthew 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell 
And the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we have heard messages this week. Quite honestly, they were preached to us. Lord, social media is a preaching venue. Newscasts are a preaching venue. Exchanges with people that we know are often preaching venues. Lord, they are promoting an idea, an angle, a way of life, a viewpoint. And Lord, we have responded to those things. We have responded with curiosity. We have responded with outrage. We have been emotionally affected. But Lord, here is a description of you speaking to us where they were astonished because they heard an authority that was greater than any other authority they'd ever heard. Lord, we need to hear that authority. Lord, I don't know how creative I'll be this morning. And Lord, it's not very important that anybody remembers anything I say. But Lord, we need an astonishing encounter with your authority. We need to hear you speak to our lives in such a way that we say, no matter how violent the storm, God has ultimate say-so over my life. His authority is what is the final authority. And so, Lord, help us this morning to have ears to hear your voice and be astonished. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, this, this is not Jesus' speech to a home builder's convention. Right? This is not Jesus showing up to tell you how to build the house that you pull up to in your driveway and get out and dwell in. Right? This is Jesus talking about how you're building your life. And there's something in this passage, right? Little, three little things that stick out for me as, as we'll visit in this passage in the coming weeks. Here's the reality. Everyone is building their life. Jesus includes on the spectrum, there are foolish people building their life and there are wise people building their life and there is everybody in between. There is not a person here, not a person watching through live stream today that you have not building your life right now. You are building your life and you build your life with things that you believe and you put your faith in. Everybody does that. I don't care if you've never considered religion in your life. You have considered ideas. You have considered, how do you do this? What matters? What's valuable? What brings any significance into my life? And you've put some faith in that thing, whatever it is, good education. If I just get the right amount of money, my health stays going this way. Whoever I'm related to, I'm going to put my faith there and I'm going to build a house. I'm going to build my life around those things. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. So there's no one here who's right now saying, I'm not sure this is about me. Oh no, it's about every one of us because we're all building. And there's ultimately, ultimately, whether you've stopped to analyze what are you building on or not, there's ultimately only two places that Jesus says you're building your life. You're either building it on sand or you're building it on the rock. Now, I don't know if you've slowed up enough to ask yourself a question. Where am I building mine? What am I setting my life on? 
Listen, as long as it's pretty outside, we've had some incredible weather lately, right? As long as it stays like this, if you build it on sand, you probably won't notice. Your house looks just like the person who's building it on rock. But there's this last category that Jesus gets everybody attention with. He says, you just listen to me give this Sermon on the Mount, this long dissertation about life and what matters and how God's kingdom operates. But can I just bring to your attention? It's when the storm comes that you're going to figure out what your life was built on. And he warns us. And there's an inevitability here that I want every one of us to be aware of. The storm is coming. There's an ultimate storm being described in this passage that we'll talk about at another time. But life is filled with storms. There are moments in which storms are going to come into our lives and and conditions of life are not going to feel like everyday settings, right? In this passage, we get introduced to some storm vocabulary, but I want to highlight something as we just read through this. This storm vocabulary is something that we are meant to pass through. If you don't catch this, if you miss this point, you are going to be in dire straits, right? Those of us who have lived through hurricanes... We know something about this. Hurricanes don't stay, do they? They pass through. They rip your world apart when they're here. But there's something you know about a hurricane. It's not permanent. And, and that's helpful, isn't it? You know you've got to get through something that's, that's not going to be the rest of your life and the rest of your eternity. And there's something about storms we need to keep that in mind because this says the rain fell and the floods came. So they weren't there before. We were just doing life. You're building your house. Yeah, I don't have to build for a flood. Oh, well, no, you do. Because it's not here now, but it will be. And the winds blew and beat on that house. Right, I defined the conditions of a storm there in your outline. Storms. They are disruptive. They are dangerous. They are threatening. That's what they feel like, right? There are moments where we may ask, how bad is this going to get? How safe am I? I don't know if you've been in a storm like that. I remember, you know, Hurricane Katrina, we got out of town. We got out of town late uh, in the process. And so the storm was right on our heels as we were in the back woods trying to find a shortcut out of town, not taking I-10. And, and it, like the, the squalls were beginning to catch us. We, we didn't get out very early. And I don't remember what point I had talked to Pastor Peter. Uh, I don't know if it was after the storm. I don't think it was during the storm. But I remember him relaying to me because he stayed. And I remember him relaying to me the sounds when the storm was outside. And he could hear the buildings and the houses around him ripping apart and bouncing off of his house. And I remember my dad telling me stories that, you know, we, I was one years old when Hurricane Betsy hit. My dad would tell these stories about just the wind that came across the front of the house. He thought I was just, I thought it was going to blow the front door in. I remember him telling me that it was buzzing. It was this buzzing sound that I was bracing the front door. Right? I've never, I've been in a storm in my house uh, a number of years ago. We stayed home for, for some storm and it wasn't really that bad. I mean, you know, 90 mile an hour winds or something was going to be as, as bad as it got. Well, when we got hit by some gusts and my house made this weird sound and I'm sitting in it and it made a sound I've never heard it make before. I was like, oh, 
this is what it feels like to wonder, is this thing going to stay, <laughs> right? I mean, you're in your house all the time, right? You, know, you don't walk in. I'm not going to walk home today and go, is this going to fall in on me today? But when storms hit, they dislodge all your confidence, right? They raise questions that you didn't have a few minutes ago. I mean, even the disciples, remember that time they're out on the, on the, on the, the Sea of Galilee with Jesus? They're in the boat. These are fishermen, by the way. It's not like they'd never been out on the water before. What kind of storm did they encounter that they panicked, right? Their sense of well-being went away. And now they're appealing to Jesus and they're in trouble and they're freaked out. Can I tell you, when storms hit, normalcy gets lost in some of these storms. And you will find yourself in a condition where you are asking questions and you are uncertain about your life in a way that you just don't get in that condition when everything seems normal. But these are confusing moments in the purpose of God because they're, they're terrifying and they raise questions about the outcome and they confuse us for these reasons, right? This is the, I'm, this is, this is the image of God we have. We're going to walk into our day today and this week with these images, right? God, God is good. Is he not? God is good to us. He is love. I know these things to be true. He is compassionate. He is a deliverer and a rescuer. He comes into our trouble to get us out of these situations. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's a shepherd, a shepherd who feeds, a shepherd who protects. He's a father who loves and guides and cherishes. So we heard last week, and Ronald did an outstanding job last week for us for Mother's Day. We, we see the nature and character of God being revealed in motherhood. God is like a tender, nursing, caring mother to us. So that's who God is, but then life becomes this, this storm, this, this environment that feels like it's ripping everything apart. We feel threatened by it. That's almost how do these two things get along? And this is not the only imagery that's in the Bible that's in this, in this fashion. We, we are, by God's design, going to pass through some things. Storms is one. But you guys remember, we've, we've been in and out of passages that have highlighted other aspects of these things we pass through. And we, we've looked at the refining process of God. That moment when the pressure of what God has created for our lives becomes so great and so intense and there's heat and there's smoke and there's breakdown and there's separation of things in our lives and we're experiencing that, right? And we're passing through this refining moment. There is suffering. We spent some time at the end of last year studying Romans 5. That suffering goes somewhere, right? It leads to enduring and endurance leads to proven character, and proven character leads to hope. But, but, you know, one of the things we learned back in that process was there's a hope over here that back here, suffering is the word that gets featured. Suffering is on its way to hope, but it doesn't feel like hope just now. It feels like suffering. That's not a fake word, right? Suffering feels like suffering, Storms feel like storms. Refining feels like refining and heat and intensity. In that moment that we're passing through, this is what it feels like. And the Bible's filled with these descriptions. You know, Jesus used a seed to illustrate the way the kingdom would come into our world. 
unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies and brings forth life, it bears much fruit. Oh, well, that's great news, but can I just tell you the fruit's over there. Over here is a lonely seed stuck down into the ground that feels like a lonely seed stuck down into the ground, waiting, waiting for a process it doesn't even understand. That suddenly, out of nowhere, life's just going to come. Really, Keith? Come on. Really? Life's just going to suddenly emerge out of me? I'm just a seed stuck in the ground. But somehow, unexplainably, I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel like my life is under the dirt. I don't see anything right now. But you're just passing through that. In the mystery of God, that's on its way somewhere. And God let you in. He lets you know that you're on the way to a field as far as you can see, full of wheat with fruit all around. There's pruning that God does in the Bible. In John chapter 15, you pass through moments of pruning where God takes a plant that's full of leaf and full of life and he prunes it back for a purpose of greater fruitfulness. But can I just tell you, in that moment of pruning, it doesn't look fruitful. It looks like you lost something. It's, it's something you're passing through. The Bible describes times when God is shaking things. He is actually shaking them and stuff is falling left and right. And you are seeing your life come apart. And then he lets us in. He's shaking things so that the things that remain can, are no longer shakable. But do you understand when the shaking's going on, you're not there yet. Do you get that? You're not at this other location. You're being told about this other location, but you are not there yet. What you feel in suffering is suffering. What you feel in shaking is shaking. That's going someplace. And when these storms are violently affecting our lives, we sense the storm in that moment. That's what's real. And then, God, why do you let this stuff happen? Why this confusion? Well, Tim Keller has written an interesting book recently released, Hope in Times of Fear. It's a study of the resurrection, what we understand the resurrection to mean. Interesting for Tim is he's writing this in the year that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So he is in the battle of his life and he's writing a book out of a setting that could certainly feel confusing, right? This is a storm for this man. And he describes a condition in this world. This is so important that we understand this. He says, the world was created by God to be a place of perfect harmony under his rule. Everything was cohesively woven together with every other part of creation. There was no disharmony between the body and the soul or between our feelings and our conscience. There was no conflict between individuals or the genders. The body never became disharmonious within itself. There was nothing like the disintegration of the body through disease, aging, and death. There was also perfect harmony between humanity and the animals and the environment. There was no broken relationship of any kind. There were no storms. It's a different day, wasn't it? It's important that we know that these days can exist, right? In God, they 
They have existed. The God who controls all things, he created a world that didn't have bright, sunshiny days in it one day and hurricanes in it the next. So this is the God who we are serving, who created this. Then Keller says, but sin, which at its heart is resistance to God's kingly authority, broke the unity between God and humanity. And that led to the breaking of all other relationships, to the unraveling of creation. Everything in the world, every aspect of life is now subject to futility and decay. Every moment of every day of our lives, everything in this world is subject to futility and decay. This is the environment in which God is actively at work in our lives. Now I say this carefully because when we go through suffering and we go through these storms and we start asking the question why, we we need to be reminded that there's something that we're being redeemed out of. We are being brought out of something. There's not an alternative version available where none of this exists. There's not an alternative. I, I, I don't have available to me a world without storms. I don't have that available to me. I wish I did. But in God's wisdom and purpose, that's not going to happen. Everything in the world, every aspect is now subject to futility and decay. Our relationships with God, one another, ourselves, and nature fell apart. War and crime, racism and poverty, anger and despair, famine and plague, aging and death are all the results of this great disintegration. Storms are inevitable. So it matters what you build your life on, doesn't it? This is why Jesus says this at the end of what he just preached. He preached life and he preached about a rock that was immovable that life could be built upon. And I'm sure there were lots of people in the audience who thought it's a beautiful day outside. I'm building for a beautiful day. I don't have to worry about that. Oh, but you do. Because the world you live in is not a beautiful world. It is in many ways, right? I mean, God created something that was spectacular. But sin has entered into it. And storms and refining and suffering are part of this setting. And we need help how to navigate through those times. Because there are moments, and I appreciate when you see God des- describing these settings, whether it's refining or suffering or storms, there's counsel and advice from God. In these settings, you go back and you read all the places where God brings these subjects up. There's a, how do you do this? There's technique, if you will. There's God teaching us. This is how you navigate these moments. And I think we desperately are in need of that. There are some among us who are navigating some of the most difficult spaces of their lives. Some have been for quite a season. Some have just been entering into these moments. Some of you are seated here today and you, you know what I'm describing because you have lived it. You have a vocabulary of your own 
of what it's been like to travel through some of the most heartbreaking, difficult, stretching, threatening, fearful settings that you've ever been in in your life. Exhausted, lonely, isolated, the feelings that you've walked through in this setting. But I want to introduce an image to us, some faith technique, if you will. It's the image of walking a tightrope. I'm wanting to grab an image, but some of them actually were too frightening for me to put up there. Some of these people, it's like, you, there, there is something seriously wrong with you. I mean, these guys stretch these ropes between buildings. Uh, I'm not sure if this guy did it or not, but one of the articles I was reading about this, the guy wanted to walk across an active volcano. I, I don't know if he did it or not. Did he actually do it? He did it. Yeah, okay. Uh, so here's, here's the element, right? This, this is extremely dangerous and technique really, really matters, doesn't it? Right? Ain't none of us trying this without some severe training. One business consultant had this illustration. I thought it was insightful. She said, in business and in life, there can be times when it feels as though you are walking a tightrope. Every step is hazardous. It's a scary prospect, and it takes great skill to keep your footing. While speaking to an entrepreneur recently, we were reminded of the anecdote of a rabbi who was confident that lessons could be learned from everyone, including a tightrope walker. And so he asked one, what is the most dangerous part of walking a tightrope? The answer was, when you have to turn. Because it's the only moment when you take your eyes off where you are headed. And that's when you really risk falling. In other words, when you focus on the goal, your footing is sure. How can we make sure we always keep our eyes on the destination? Now, what I want you to do, and you can go back and do this in your own time, but when you read through settings of suffering and refining and seed planting and pruning and shaking and storms, the Bible always is speaking about a destination. It never speaks to you just about right here and right now. So you have this image, this tightrope image, right? Got that long bar and they're holding it and their feet are carefully placed in front. But they're not looking down here where their feet are. They're looking at their destination. And they never stop looking at their destination. And the next step of their life is taken under the guidance of the destination. They're not looking down to see just how bubbly the volcano is. They're looking at their destination for just the next step. Because what's around them is extremely dangerous. I think I wrote out in your outline, to walk a tightrope is to be suspended over danger. To live in a fallen world is to be suspended over danger. You are in a place that you cannot stay. You cannot stay here. You are in a place that you must pass through. The whole purpose of the tightrope act is to pass through something that is momentary. It is not permanent and you must keep moving. 
right? This is a walk of faith, right? This is a tightrope walk of faith. The righteous live by faith. We walk by faith, which means we walk. You, you don't stop along the way because you've looked around you and you've seen this is crazy dangerous. Can I just, can I sit down with you and tell you how crazy dangerous my life is right now? It's this, it's that, it's this, it's always been that. It's got this in it now and then that happened and now that. And we become staring at something that has captured us because it's crazy dangerous. That's horrible technique. To walk by faith on the tightrope of this fallen world. I, I need to be able to tell you something about the destination. I, I need to be observing that destination. I need to be seeing that destination. I need clarity. I need an education. I need to be inspired by that destination. It needs to be noisy in my soul. Because the trouble is noisy. I don't need to look at it. I know where I am. Right? When I stepped out onto the rope and I read, all I took with me, just read Tim Keller's quote. If you didn't know this was a dangerous world, just read Tim's quote. And you're informed. This is a dangerous place. But you knew that already, didn't you? You've lived a few lives or a few days in this life. So here's a tight rock of faith suggestion. One, do not look down. Do not look down. You know enough about where you are. If you stare at it and you look down at it, you're, you're going to become further disoriented. You already feel disoriented. I get that. Storms are that way. If you take your eyes off the destination and you look down, your next step will become much harder. As a matter of fact, you're going to be tempted not to take the next step. And that is going to be horrible. You are walking by faith. You have to keep walking. You have to take the next step. And if you stare at the things that are frightening, the things that are disordering, the things that we can't explain, the things that look like they win, the next step becomes paralyzingly difficult. So don't look down. Do look to the horizon. Do look to the destination. I wrote in your outline, in God-given illustrations of refining, suffering, pruning, shaking, storms, etc., the illustrations always feature this outcome perspective. They always do that. That's how the Bible talks about our lives. This awareness, this vision or sight that there's an outcome set to arrive. It's guaranteed. That there is something to be anticipated. Because right now when trouble is the only thing that we anticipate, it exhausts every ounce of faith in us. It will evaporate faith in a second. There's going to be an outcome that is to be featured, a God outcome in this conversation and in this moment. Right? You are passing through something. Right? And the Bible gives us insight and wisdom on how to do that. So we're going to learn a lesson from Paul here today. As he passes through a storm in his own life and relating that to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, Paul says this. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And so Paul says, hey, when you venture out and you take your steps and you are 
here, you are a jar of clay. There is a human vulnerability that you feel when you are in these moments. Jars of clay develop cracks in them. They have weaknesses in them. They leak. You and I don't get to escape that. But there is this other thing going on for the believer. There is this other dimension that's given to us that's a treasure. It's a surpassing power. But it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. So that makes it feel in some ways a little bit foreign to us. It's God's. It's God's nature. It's God's interaction with us. It, it doesn't feel like, hey, you and me going, hey, I got this, man. I, I got this. Yeah, this is me. I, I could do this. I, there's not that sense in us. There's this sense that I can't do it. But there's a treasure available to us. Right? Jesus didn't ask that people would put their confidence in the wrong place. He said, build your house on the rock. The rock will protect you when the storm comes. So he's asking you to look outside of yourself for a strength that is not your own. It's going to feel a little bit foreign, but it is there, right? So in these moments where we battle for faith, we're battling to trust the power of God. Then verse 8, Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Right? We are afflicted. There are storms. This is not Paul acting as, oh, hey, you know, that was Jesus, you know, great sermon on the mount, all this warning about storms. Can I just say there's a storm-free life out there? Here's how you create it. Here's the technique to create the storm-free life. No, Paul doesn't say there's a storm-free life. He says, no, 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 no. In this Walk of faith, tightrope back. There's danger all around. And we are afflicted by it. We are affected by it. This is his version of there are rains and there are floods and there are winds that are going to beat against your house. But notice he says the same thing Jesus says. But the house is going to stand. The house is not going to fail. Paul, how can you say that? Because there's this treasure in this house. It's a power that didn't come from you. It's a power from God. It is the strength that the rock brings into these settings. That's what you put your hope in. It's not in the jars of clay. It's not in how polished up or painted up your jar of clay is. It's in a power that's not your own. That's in this moment with you. And listen, it's not as though Paul didn't know something about this. Paul describes some things in his life in some vivid colors. And if we took a chance to sit down with the human being named Paul and not just the character image of him, I wonder what these would sound like if you sat across the table from him and listened to him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3 and say, I was, I was with you, Corinthians, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You and I read that, but what if you sat with this older man who was with you and he was telling you the story and he reached over for his cup to pick it up to get something to drink and he literally was trembling and you had a meeting with the Apostle Paul and he, this, this is part of your experience, Paul? Weakness? A moment where you feel like you just, I don't have what I need in this moment. Fear? Really, Paul? You're using that for our sake? No. I was afraid. Trembling. Right? When, f- when fear gets to a certain level in your body, it produces a bodily outcome. 
right? Paul, you okay? Do you think anybody did that with Paul? Paul, Paul, you okay, man? Does that freak you out to hear that the apostle Paul may have experienced life at a storm at such a level that this is what his life felt like? Second Corinthians one, this is a couple years later, Paul describes an event in his life. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware brothers of the affliction, the storm we experienced in Asia. We were utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That phrase beyond our strength. You sit in that and think about it for a moment. When, when does your life make you want to freak out the most? When it gets beyond you, right? Right. When you can pay for everything, when you have the physical ability to do everything, when you don't feel vulnerable because something isn't bigger than you, when you have all those things going for you, then life doesn't feel beyond you. But when it gets beyond you, when it gets into the, I can't do that. I don't have the resources for that. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. What if this happens? What if the person does that, right? And what if the people involved in your life, no matter what you've said to them, steered them, threatened them with, you can't change them. That's beyond you, isn't it? They can now do something that's going to harm you and you feel it. And it awakens this sense of fear in our lives. That's the vulnerability Paul's describing here. Charles Spurgeon interacted with this fear in a realistic way. I think it's humbling for all of us. He says, be it also remarked before we leave this point that even the strongest of God's servants are sometimes the subjects of fear. David was a very strong man and he overthrew Goliath. But we read that on one occasion when he was in battle, David waxed faint. So the Lord's mightiest heroes sometimes have their fainting fits. We used to talk of our iron duke, and there was one man in scripture who was an iron prophet, and that was Elijah, the Tishbite, and yet he sat down under the juniper tree, and I almost said, whined. It's enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Spurgeon says, the best of men are but men at the best, and the strongest men are weak. If God's mighty hand is for a while withdrawn. Some of my dear friends will occasionally tell me we have suffered from doubts and fears and troubles of which you have no conception. They suppose that their minister or others whom they love and respect know nothing at all experimentally about their infirmities. I wish it were so. Charles Spurgeon writes about bouts of fear and doubt and depression in his life that came like waves in different times that he experienced. He says, we have something, he's speaking from the pulpit, he says, we have something better to talk of than our own follies. We do not feel bound to turn the pulpit into a public confessional and all experiences are not to be published abroad. But for all that, permit me to say, there are times with the boldest and the strongest when they would give all they have for the very smallest evidence of divine grace and count themselves happy to creep to the foot of the cross and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I don't know who the most strongest human walking this face of the earth spiritually that you could think of 
in your life. But there are moments when the storms make you ask hard questions and face the most difficult of moments. And that's why it matters what you build your life on. In those moments, sand will not do. Sand was easily available. It was quick. It was an easy shortcut to build life, wasn't it? It's just right there. Just stick the house right there. But there's coming a day. Sand will not do. Paul goes on in verse 10 and says, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for the sake, for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Do you you see something in this passage? Always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that there's, there's a death, but there's a so that here. Right? Paul's means of dealing with these moments in life is to recognize there is a death at work. This feels like death, right? I'm, I'm suspended over a volcano. This feels like heat. It feels dangerous. It feels like death. But there's a so that over there that Paul says, you've got to have the so that understanding. Paul, you're experiencing this death? Paul, it feels like there's a death going on? Yes. How are you making it through this? there's a so that there's something else of God at work here that he is doing so that life may be produced through what it is that I'm experiencing. Then verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed. And so I spoke, we also believe. And so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, right? We have the same spirit of faith, right? This is a walk of faith. This next step, it's going to have to have faith to take it. The next place that we have to put our foot is going to require faith to put it there. Faith can never be on vacation. Listen, suffering, difficulty, trial, and storms cannot be the excuse for us to take a break from faith. Because you never stop walking by faith. You never stop walking by faith. And so in those moments, listen, I know in those moments, we, we, just, we just want to curl up and just detach from everything. But the next step, because we have to keep moving. We're not staying here. You're suspended over a volcano. Fall out of love with the idea that if it's really bad and really paralyzing, I'll just hold still. Give up on that idea. It is not an option. We walk with God by faith all the way to the end. There is a destination in God. I'm going to have to let that destination inform my next step. And that's what I'm called to do. By faith, we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. What's my faith all about? It's about the rocks. It's about the steadfast things that are immovable that God has made known to us. Things that have been written. We're going to do an extremely doctrinal study through the summer this year. 
It's not going to be this dry, oh, that doesn't matter. No, it's going to be the discovery of the rocks upon which our lives are being built. It's going to be the things that hold firm and don't move when everything else does. And it may not be the pop stuff that gets posted, gets quoted, gets featured in social media. It may not be that stuff, but quite honestly, that stuff is sand. And all around us, people are building on sand. And when they get to the storm, and they will, it's going to be an ugly wreck. And you and I can be in that category, right? But God has given us rocks. He says, I believed and so I spoke. I believed and so I stepped. I I believed something. There's something to believe in these moments. And so there's something for me to do. There's something for me to say. I love this. This is helpful guidance for your self-conversation, right? Because in these moments, you're talking to yourself probably more than you're talking to anybody else, aren't you? And in those moments, I believe something, and so I speak. Am I speaking in a way that's in agreement with what I'm believing, that destination that I'm moving towards? I know something. I'm convinced about that, and I'm talking to myself about it. I'm waking up, and the volcano is telling me, you're going to join me. How's this heat feel? Uh, you're going to be a crispy critter in just a matter of moments. There's no way you can get to the other side, right? This, this is the speech that's coming to be. But I believe something, so therefore I speak. What do I believe? I am knowing that we will be raised and brought into his presence. Where do you see that, Keith, in the volcano? No, I don't see that in the volcano. I see it over there. So that's what makes me take one more step. And one more step. I believe something. And one more step. Keith, you're not moving very fast. I get that. Doesn't everybody wish their suffering and their trials and their storms would end quicker? I'm not in charge of the timing or how long the rope is. I'm just taking the next step. Then Paul says, for it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. That's a real danger. This is not a fake you out move. Storms are places where we're in danger of losing heart. But we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, right? So the volcano is the momentary affliction. The storm is the right now dimension of what I'm experiencing. And unfortunately, that's really, really loud. But there's this other dimension here. It's an eternal weight of glory that's in this conversation that Paul brings in with it. And then he says in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. This is, this is tightrope walking 101. Where to look and where not to look. As we look not at the things that are seen, the momentary, temporary afflictions, as we look not. Listen, I know you can feel the heat. If you're over a volcano, you feel the heat. 
You don't need to look down to know that that fire looks like. And once you do, it's going to freak you out. That human pot you're walking across this thing in, when it looks down, that human pot goes, I can't do this. I can't. I can't. I'm freaking out now. I can't do this. That's that's what looking down is going to do. But God has called us to look to the unseen for the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. They're pass-throughs. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Ronald, you want to come back up here, man? I want us to take a moment and I want to, I want to let God show up in our storms this morning. I I want God to help us to fix some labels in our lives, right? There are things in our lives that need to be labeled momentary light affliction. I need to be able to see those things and put a label on it. This is not permanent. This is temporary. This is a storm, right? You know, this is where the positive confession movement runs into some problems in using the Bible, right? Jesus didn't act as though, here, here's how you deal with storms. You act like they're not really storms. The storms are coming, but just don't call them storms. Call them something else. You know, he didn't say, no, he says, no, the thing that's going to rescue you in that storm is what you built your life on. That rock is not going to fail. That rock is going to remain steadfast. Just like Paul's experience, he walked through afflictions. We are afflicted in every way. But there's something else in this pot of clay besides me. And that power will not fail. So in this moment, it's okay for you to be aware. There are some things in your life that are storms. Can you just get out your marker and stick some stickers on some things today? So you can, you can know, do I, God, am I staring at transient things? Am I staring at temporary things? Rather than having my vision attached to the destination of where you're leading me and, and, and walking by faith through the volcanoes of these temporary places. It was interesting. This, is just, this message has been a burden in my heart just because I know that there are some folks you are in a storm so as the Lord just said awaken this in me a couple of weeks ago to, to share this, this weekend Sid go ahead come on one of the guys on our prayer and pro- prophetic team had sent me a message last week saying hey I just have this burden uh, to share with the church and of course I knew where this was going to land when I was reading his words. And so I asked him to hold it because I, I just, I, I want you, and there's nothing more valuable than when you're in the moment of a storm to know that Jesus is with you. There's nothing more valuable than his presence with you. So I just trust that when God gives a message for the pulpit and then finds another individual and says, hey, just in case anybody here thought it was an accident that you're hearing this this morning, I just want you to hear it from more than one person. So Sid, share that, that word with us. Second Timothy Three verses, one through five. But understand this, that in the last days there will be come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, 
disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. This is all temporary. Keep your minds fixed on what is permanent. Keep your minds fixed on my living truth. I've sent my son so you would know me and see me. I've sent my son so that you may choose eternal life. I've sent my living word to keep fixed in your heart. I've given you the church for unity and fellowship and learning. I've sent the Holy Spirit to pour out power to your flesh. The things of this world are all temporary. Keep your minds fixed on what is permanent. Lord, I thank you. Lord, thank you for getting our attention. Thank you for a person who had no idea we would be in this passage to describe to us things that are fixed and immovable. Things that are eternal can never change. Things that are temporary in our midst. Power that is not our own, Lord. Well, you obviously want us to hear something this morning. God, we want to receive from you. And those who are here this morning that find themselves in a disorienting storm of life, Lord, they need, they need something from you this morning. Lord, there are some who are watching at home need something from you this morning, Lord, and we're going to come asking for it, and we're going to pray for them this morning. God, we're going to need your power to invade because, Lord, we're going to need noise from the destination to outdo the noise of the volcano around us. So, God, we're asking for some noise today. Would you pull our attention away from the things that have absorbed us and made us full of fear doubts and questions and uncertainties lord we are we are having a hard time taking the next step lord god draw our attention to what you promised to us to where we're headed to the place that can't fail and it will not so i ask if you're here this morning or watching and, and, and you you are needing and you should not be ashamed of this jesus spoke about storms you should not be for one second ashamed or embarrassed that you're in a storm but if you are and you're in a place where you're finding it hard to take the next step of faith in this moment i want you to stand up where you are we're going to pray for you this morning i want grace to find each and every one of us in this moment i want the unique voice of god to speak faith for the next step so if this is a, a moment of storm you're feeling god i need grace for the steps ahead could you stand up stand up where you are we're going to pray for you
And I'm not just standing because I'm preaching. I'm standing because I'm standing with you. And my own storms that have invaded my soul, they're very noisy. Listen, we are, we are a people who set our hope in the rock together. May we never be a community that feels like you, you, you can't let anybody know you're losing hope. You're full of doubt and fear. The apostle Paul would have sat and had a conversation with you that looked like, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Do not create some version of Christianity where that's never going to be your experience. Matter of fact, nobody around here will be able to relate to you if that's the case. Because they may be in sunshine right now, but they're going to be a storm in their life. And if you know nothing of storms, it just sounds dishonest. I know we've got social distance issues, etc. I want us to pray for folks this morning. So if you want to mask up and pray for somebody, you want to pray from a distance. If God gives you a sense of a word to, to pray in faith for somebody, then by all means, you know, go to that person and, and, and just pray for them. But let me give you two passages, the last two in your outline. This is help amidst the storms. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. God says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He's a rock. He doesn't fail. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That word escape and that word endure highlights the fact that you're in a situation that's not permanent. Don't treat it like it's permanent. You will lose the ability to walk in it. God will provide the off-ramp. God will provide a power that gives you the grace to take the next step so that if the off-ramp means enduring 28 more steps before you get to the destination, God's going to provide that. The rock is our strength. You are not the strength. We have a treasure in earthen vessels that are not our own. You have that right now. For all of us who are here, 2 Corinthians, Paul speaking of that moment when he was in such a despairing situation. He also says, indeed, we felt we had received this sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, right? This is, this is a pass-through moment. He delivered us, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Storms come and go. They come and go. And then he turns to the people of Corinth, and he says, You also must help us by prayer. These folks standing, they need us to help them by prayer. And that's what we're going to do right now. So let's, let's pray together for dear brothers and sisters who are feeling the storm in their lives right now.
Thank you that we have a more sure word to believe, to describe our lives. Sermon on the Mount, Revelation, word from you. Lord, for some, the word about rain that falls and floods that come and winds that batter. Lord, they are you explaining to us that the, the weather patterns in the spirit are more complicated than we thought. That there are storms that get to our lives in the spirit, Lord. And they are more intense than we thought and they are different than we thought. They are storms. They are not average. They are not every day. Lord, you didn't leave us to these storms. Lord, you are a redeeming God. You have entered into our storms. You have come and you have taken upon yourself the storm of all storms. Lord Jesus, you stood in our place. You were in human form, crushed for our sin to get us to the other side. You did not leave us in this place. You came and rescued us from this place. It just seems, Lord, we're just not out of here yet. But we're headed there. And we're taking steps of faith. And Lord, what we're asking for this morning, Lord, you know, Lord, you know my own soul. I'd like to just ask for, can you let it all be finished by tomorrow? Lord, you haven't given me access to that sort of calendar. You have called me just to take the next step, Lord. And each person standing here this morning, each person watching by live stream, Lord, you have called us just to take the next step in faith. And Lord, we can only do that when our eyes are fixed on our destination. These rich promises, your faithfulness, the rock of your word that declares to us what life will be, the outcome that we have a resurrection hope in you. And we are going to be in your presence uninterrupted. Lord, we are all these noisy storm elements are going away. 
We're going to take one more step in that direction, God. One more step today. God, give us grace to take another step this afternoon. Lord, for some, Lord, even as I've talked with folks this week, for some, Lord, this is not just a daily battle. It's a momentary battle. It's a battle for this morning, but it's going to be a battle for later today. One more step, Lord, in faith. Keep us moving, Lord. We're walking by faith. We're seeing something that gives us a reason to take the next step. Lord, fill our lives. Flood us with an awareness of the destination and your purpose. Death is at work here, but life is at work as well. Lord, we got to believe that. We've got to see it. Convince us all the more. Help us, Lord, to treat momentary afflictions like they are momentary. They are not permanent, Lord. We are on our way to your destination. So Lord, help us to walk this tightrope by faith in you. You are our security. You will not fail. Therefore, our houses will not fall. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys at home. We miss you. Hope we can see you soon.